Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. God, we welcome your presence and we are grateful that you are here, grateful for your love. And we do ask that you would move in us, that you would speak to us and lead us today. In fact, I just want to invite you to pray that if you want. You can just say, God, would you just, I just ask you to move in me. Just whisper that. God, I just ask you to move in me, speak to me, and lead me. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the room today. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Well, if you haven't been with us recently, we are in a series called Live the Values, in which we are talking about all the things that are important to us as a church. We're talking about our vision, our values. It started a few weeks ago where we got 30,000 feet up in the air, and we started talking about our vision as a church. And now we are kind of a week at a time going through our values. And when I say values, of course, what I mean is, what is OKC Community all about? What are the things we care about? Who do we long to be? How do we long to live? Well, OKC community is about a number of things, but we do have six official values. And so I just want to show those to you because this is what they are. So who's OKC community about? We're about reaching people, extravagant love, passionate devotion, courageous faith, spiritual family, and doing things that matter, right? And so today we are in value number three, passionate devotion. And this is the way we describe passionate devotion. We say it this way, we are tired of mediocre versions of faith. So we are over the top passionate about prayer, worship, the scriptures, and the pursuit of God. Who can give with that? Anybody wanna give with that? I don't know about you, but I really am tired of mediocre versions of faith, not only in my own life, but in the life of believers around me. And that's why we say we're all about passionate devotion to Christ through the ways that we worship and we pray. That's why we do that so much around here. We're also, we believe that we should be passionately devoted to Christ, of course, through God's word and through the pursuit of Christ. Well, Romans 12, 11, we're just gonna jump straight in. You guys ready to go? Romans 12, 11 says it this way. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward him boiling hot. All right, that's one translation. The NIV says that same verse just like this. It says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your political fervor, spiritual, no, sports fervor, I don't know, ambitious fervor, I don't know. No, I think it says spiritual fervor, right? Right? Spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So spiritual fervor, that's not mediocre. That's not lukewarm. Perhaps we should be considering as we begin this message today, how are we doing with our own zeal? (laughs) Who or what gets the zeal in your life? Because we all possess zeal. We may have zeal for our work. We may have zeal for sports or politics or traveling, or we might have zeal for Jesus. The Greek word for zeal is very similar. It's just zealous, kind of like zealous, right? And it actually means bubbling or boiling over from heated emotion. I feel like there's a lot of zealous in the world these days, right? There's a lot of heated emotion happening all around us. Romans 12, 11 is no joke. it's, it's quite challenging to the way I live because he's, point, he's, he's pointing and positioning our zeal to someplace. You know, he's not saying, hey, just be a passionate person. I've, how many of you guys have met passionate people, 
They're not necessarily passionate about the Lord, but he's not just saying be a passionate person. He's not just saying, you know, be zealous, but he's saying be spiritually passionate as you serve the Lord. So we have to ask ourselves, where am I? Where are you on the passion scale for Jesus? Are you boiling hot? Are you simmering? Are you room temp? Are you the frozen chosen? Who are you? Where are you at? How's it feeling these days? Now, here's the deal. I would say that passionate devotion, or in other words, spiritual fervor serving the Lord, is something most people who follow Jesus, they want to grow in. Like this is something that you and I, we probably would like to grow in our passionate devotion to Christ. All right, so let's figure this out. Let's talk about this today. Uh, last week when we were talking about extravagant love, we got into the passage of when Jesus gave the great commandment. And he said, hey, I want you to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. I want to stay in that space today because this passage is so critical. This is the greatest commandment. This is the thing Jesus said was most important. We're going to look how it's written in the message version and, the, and in the Mark 12 version. It says this, one of the religion scholars came up hearing the lively exchanges of question and answer and seeing how sharp Jesus was with his answers, he put in his question. Remember last week we said this was a test. He put in his test to Jesus, and he says, what is the most important of all the commandments? And Jesus said, the first in importance is this. Listen, Israel, hero Israel, uh, an ode back to Deuteronomy 6, 4, and he says, the Lord your God is one, so love the Lord with all of your, say it with me, passion, right? Everybody say Passion. He says, so love the Lord your God with all of your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. And I love the way that it's written in the, in, in the, in the message, but really, this is, we're familiar with this. He says, with all of your passion, meaning all of your heart, with all of your prayer, meaning all of your soul, with all of your intelligence, meaning all of your mind, right? And then he says, with all of your energy, meaning with all of your strength. I love how that's, how that's written. And, you know, a couple years ago when I was... Um, just spending some time with the Lord, I was kind of thinking on some things, and I, I feel like the Lord gave me a word, and I wrote it down and began to think on it for the next number of days, and I, here I am a few years later, and I'm still thinking on it. And the word was this. I'll just put it on the screen so you can kind of let this sink in today. But Jesus needs to be our passion before he's our purpose. And this is really, really big for me, because sometimes I can approach my faith in Christ as a purpose before a passion, as a responsibility instead of a response to who God is in my life. I think it's possible that many of us do this. We think faith is about purpose before passion, meaning we measure our faith by the great commission and not the great command. Listen, both are important, but we prioritize often in this world our purpose over our passion. And like I said, this has been something that God's been speaking to me about for a number of years. I actually first spoke about that word in summer of 2018. And as we get into the passion, uh, of, of the passionate devotion conversation today, I felt like I had to return to it because it's been so uh, pivotal for me. And I, and I wanted to talk about it again today. So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to start it like this. Everyone say passion. passion. Everyone say purpose. purpose. God uses the greatest passion to produce some of the greatest purpose. And here's the thing. Um, Elon Musk. You guys know Elon Musk? creative Tesla, incredibly passionate about a number of things, isn't he? You know, uh, one of the things he's very passionate about is creating a, a human colony on Mars. Um, by, and he plans to get humans there by the year 2026. Guys, that's five years from now. Like, I'm all about big dreams. I love it. But I'm truly worried for his first victims. I mean, ex I mean explorers. <laughs> He's passionate, right? And sometimes great passion can produce a great purpose. 
You know, you think about the greatest basketball player of all time, Michael Jordan, Jordan, thank you. Don't come to me with that nonsense about LeBron James. (laughs) He, He had a great passion for basketball that produced a great purpose of winning championships. And now here, now all of us, we're not all gonna be, nor should we be Elon Musk or Michael Jordan because that's not what this passion that I'm really wanting to talk about because I'm not talking about a passion to be great at something. It's more about a, pi- a passion to be great as someone. And it's a different type of passion. It's not a passion to provide or perform or produce. As Americans, we love purpose. We love what we do. Because, and, and in fact, we don't really know any other calculation to life except to provide, to perform, and to produce. We love the idea of waking up in the morning and having something that we got to go accomplish. We love the idea of being called to something and walking into it. But I want to tweak something, okay, because I think there are things that we need to understand about the things that we do in life. The purpose that we have is that, that those things can quickly, no matter how good they are, can become very heavy for us. No matter how good what we do is, I wonder if anyone in here feels the, the weight of providing, performing, and producing, In some ways, those words summarize our purpose in life, don't they? As a pastor, I'm all about purpose. I'm all about mission. I am. I mean, I love it. I I think what we do here is incredibly important. And I'd be lying to you, though, if I didn't admit that the mission and the purpose of our church didn't at times weigh on me and become very heavy. Not because it's bad or flawed. I just learned, and I am continuing to learn, that purpose alone is a heavy weight. And I have to learn that lesson again and again and again because I keep trying to find and define myself by what I do. Anybody with me? So this great commandment of Jesus brings us to a really great question. He says, this is the most important thing. We have to ask ourselves, what's the most important thing to us? Because if I asked you what's most important to you, I'm getting into your heart. I'm asking what makes you tick. I'm asking what you think about when you wake up in the morning. So what we're talking about is who are you? Who are you? And these are matters of our identity, right? The things that we do, the things that we say we are. So these are two questions that simply could identify kind of our identity. They're rooted in these two questions. We'll just put them up here. Who am I? What do I do? These two questions are essential in our understanding our, ourselves, our identity. And this question, what do you do? In our culture, this question is massive. It is a very big deal. And I talk about this uh, quite often in our church because I believe it's so critical. But your work matters. I believe what you do matters. Um, your gifting matters. Uh, the things that we do throughout the day matters. I mean, I say, I think I've said it before, do things that matter. I, I don't know, maybe we've said that around here. But in America, we, we, really, we really put a lot of emphasis on this question, what do you do? And it determines so much about your self-value and your perceived worth. And, and I would say too much so. Um, I just want us to think about this. Let's just say that tomorrow on Labor Day, you go to a Labor Day party. Is that a thing? You go to a Labor Day party tomorrow, and I don't know, maybe you labor together. I'm not sure what you're going to do. But at this party, there is a group of people that you don't know, and so you get into conversations to get to know these people in your side. But inevitably, in a conversation with a group of people you don't know, what's going to come up? There's going to come this question that everybody's bracing themselves for, and somebody, comes, some, somebody will say to you, so what do you do? 
And if someone says, well, I'm a teacher, we think, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, 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 very good. You do really important work. We're really grateful for you. Someone says, oh, I work for SpaceX, and I'm working on the project to colonize Mars. You think, huh, well, you're, you're probably a little too smart for me. Let me go find someone else to talk to. <laughs> Some, someone, says, someone says, I make ice cream. You're like, oh, man, I kind of want your job. You know what I mean? Someone says, I'm a pastor, and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, you be you, man. You be you. We put a lot of value in what we do. And depending on the answers to that question, what you do, it draws all sorts of conclusions about the person you're talking to, and you know that it draws all sorts of conclusions about you to the person you're talking to. Estimations, affirmations, esteems, high and low, based on what we do. And this, this brings up this reality uh, in all of us. Because what we shape our identity around is often what we do in life. Now, this is obviously um, not a bad thing to have things to do. We're talking about career, calling, and interests. Those are good things, right? The career, calling, and interests that we have, these are very good things. And what we do in these spaces, they do have a dramatic impact on our identity. They help shape our purpose. But this doesn't really answer the question on the other side of the screen, like who am I, right? That's a completely different question. And we know that it's a deeper question. So I want to talk about this question because this is the question we don't often answer. Nobody comes up to you at the Labor Day party and says, who are you? <laughs> they don't give a rip who you are. They just want to know what you do so they can measure you up, right? Right? Yeah. Well, I want to try and answer this question in a way that I believe Jesus would have answered it. I don't know how Jesus would have answered it, but I, I, I do have an I have a guess that he's not going to say, oh, you're an ice cream maker, you're a nurse, you're a magician, uh, you're whatever, right? He's not going to define you, <laughs> define you based upon your career, I don't think. He's going to say something else, don't you think? He's not going to say, oh, yeah, 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 that's who you are. I mean, he actually asked this question of himself. He said, who do people say that I am? And he asked the disciples this question, and, and Simon Peter, he didn't go, oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. Jesus, you're a carpenter. No, 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 no. And then someone said, no, no, no. That was who he used to, that's what he used to do. Now he's a rabbi. No, they weren't speaking to Jesus' career. No, Simon Peter answered the question. He says, I know, I know. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. See, he went and answered that question, who are you, with the deepest, most core understanding of who Jesus actually was. And so what if we answered the question, who are you, not with a career, but with who you are at your deepest core. Let's try this one on for size. I'll just put it on the screen. I couldn't really, I mean, I just, I mean, we could be longer than this, but let's just imagine this. At your deepest core, who are you? Who am I? I'm a child of God, a recipient of unearned grace and unending love. I'm a follower of Jesus. He's my affection and my obsession. I was lost, but now I'm found. I am broken, but now I'm healed. I'm not alone. The Holy Spirit is with me. I am a co-heir to God's kingdom. My heavenly Father, the creator of the world, also known as the great I am, the Alpha, the Omega, Abba, Father, the almighty healer and king, that's who I am, right? And so when we, when we start to ask ourselves, that fit all right? That fit all right with you guys? Let me ask you, where have you been rooting your passion? In what you do or in who you are? Let me say it this way, next slide. You see, we think we're supposed to be passionate about what we do, but when we're passionate about who we are, it changes everything about what we do. 
so many people think that we're supposed to be to find our passion in the things that we do. And so we go out and we look for a career that we can be passionate about. And there's nothing wrong with loving your career. I hope you do. I hope you find a job you love. But guess, guess what? You're not going to find and be fulfilled through a job. It's not going to happen. So when we keep searching and changing and looking for the right fit in life, we're trying to make a fit for who we are and what we do. And it doesn't work like that. It's a slight miscalculation. It doesn't seem like it's a big deal. But this slight miscalculation, this slight out of step, slightly out of step that we are, it's causing massive disruption and disorientation. Grayson the other night was doing math and the math problem came up seven plus seven. And he said, oh, it's 15. And he was like, well, eight plus eight is 16 and seven is only one less than eight. So it's 15. And I was like, dude, that's some pretty good logic, <laughs> but you're wrong. Seven plus seven is 14. And you see, we may get really close on things, but at the end of the day, we're missing the, we're missing the answer to the problem by a slight miscalculation. Yeah. It's like I was talking to my kids, I don't know, it was a, little, a couple years ago, and I was telling them, I was sharing with them, I was evangelizing to them about the greatness of the 1990s Chicago Bulls. <laughs> and I was like, hey, one of those players on that team was Dennis Rodman. He's, he also played on that team. And Addie, at the time, she was a little younger, and she said, oh, yeah, did he play on the Bulls with Michael Jackson? <laughs> How many of you know there's a big difference between Michael Jackson and Michael Jordan? <laughs> Listen, we can get it close, but sometimes close is just still straight up wrong. <laughs> It's close, but it's not quite right. Small miscalculation. So what I'm saying is, what I'm trying to say is, I'm saying that we should be talking about a passion-driven life. In America, we love the purpose-driven life. No offense, Rick Warren. <laughs> Greatest selling Christian book of all time. 40 million copies sold. Purpose-driven life. I just prefer passion-driven life. Thinking about writing a book. And might sell like 40. <laughs> Praying about it. You guys pray for me. <laughs> we, can't, we can't treat Jesus like he's our purpose before he's our passion. Let me explain it. Do you read the Bible and it's more like a have to instead of a get to? <laughs> Do you go into prayer and it's more like a discipline instead of a delight? Our devotion to God can only be passionate when it comes from a place of being instead of doing. So here's the deal. When it comes, whenever our passion is the cry of our heart instead of the sweat of our brow, Jesus can't be a job to us. He has to be a passion for us. So what do we do? I'll, I mean, this is, I mean, we're excited. Yeah, Jesus is our passion. Yeah. But what do we do? How do we really get over this? Because we've been miscalculating this for a while. We think it's about what we do. How do we grow a passion? How do we become people who, who live with a passionate devotion to Jesus? I want to share three things 
and, and, and then we'll be done. But I believe if you will be intentional about these three things, you will grow in your passion for Jesus and in your passion as a child of God. Because who are you? It begins with the fact that you are a child of God. So three things, I'll put them on the screen. No secrets here. It's this, delight in the Lord, prioritize the Lord, and rest in the Lord. Now I'm going to talk about these three things. Let's talk about each one. First of all, delight in the Lord. Psalm 37, starting in verse 3, says this, trust in the Lord and do good. How y'all doing with that? Trust in the Lord and do good. Y'all doing all right with that one? I don't know. Maybe we should just stop on that one. Maybe there should be a, a part A before number one. Trust in the Lord, right? Trust in the Lord. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight. Everyone say delight. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desire. Have you ever heard that before? If you delight in the Lord, you will give, he will give you the desires of your heart. Hmm. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. How many need help in life? You see, here's the thing. I, I would just encourage you, put that verse to memory, by the way. Just write that one down, Psalm 37, verse 3 through 5. Might be a good one to kind of come back to on your own sometime. But a couple weeks ago, God put on my heart that I need to pray from del delight and not discipline. And I wonder how many of us pray out of discipline. You know what I mean? We know we ought to be praying, so we're like, oh, i got to muster up enough of my willpower to get back in there to keep going and keep praying. And so we pray out of discipline. And the other reason we pray is out of desperation, right? And so we're worried or we're upset or we're afraid of something. So we pray out of, out of a need to, uh, for discipline or out of desperation. And I believe every prayer matters to God. And so therefore, I believe prayer out of discipline and desperation work. I believe that they can help us survive. But it does feel a little bit more like survival when we're doing it. It's almost like we're, we're on the edge. And in, instead of falling off into the abyss, if we can just keep praying out of discipline or out of desperation, we'll keep surviving. But catch this, God longs to move us away from the edge of the cliff, just surviving on the disciplines and the have-tos of prayer and Bible reading and daily quiet times and going to church. And he longs to move us into the center, towards the deep center of delighting in him. He wants to move us away from survival and hanging on by a thread to the deep center of delighting in him, going to him because you long to go for him. Because You go to him because it's the best part of your day. It's the thing you love to do the most. It's the thing that's your joy. It's where you find your rest. It's your get to every day. You understand the difference between delighting and discipline, right? There's nothing wrong with discipline. It may help you survive someday. It will keep you alive someday. It will keep you hanging on to your faith when you need to, out of discipline or out of desperation. But when we delight in the Lord, it opens up a whole new way of living. Yes. I'm figuring this out. I'm just telling you. I'm figuring it out just like you're figuring it out. Delight in the Lord. Confess daily that, man, there are so many things to be grateful for, right? Delight in the Lord by celebrating with others all the goodness of God. Delight in the Lord by taking time to enjoy creation. Maybe you need to lay down some work for a while and enjoy yourself. Maybe you need to delight in the Lord by throwing a Labor Day party tomorrow. You need to get after it. You know what I mean? I don't know what you need to do. Is everybody with me? Amen? Amen? Amen. Try and enjoy God. <laughs> he wants to be your passion. He doesn't want to be a job to you. Delight in the Lord. Number two, prioritize God. Now, this sounds simple, right? But this takes loving the Lord with our mind and with our, with our energy, with our strength. I want to go back to that question. Jesus says, or they, they asked Jesus, what's most important to you? 
And we need to ask one another, like, what's most important to you? Is your passion or your purpose most important? And here's the deal. I'm not putting, pitting those things against one another, but maybe we should say it this way. What's more important, who you are or what you do? I had a young woman um, come up to me after church on a Sunday. She was maybe 19, 20 years old. And, uh, and she, she was kind of nervous, but she courageously asked me a question. And she said, hey, I, I want more of God like you're talking about, like you're, like you're preaching about. I want that in my life. And I said, okay, are you asking me that sh- how to experience more of God? And she said, yeah, I want to experience more of God. I love that question. I wish there were lines of people every Sunday asking that question. I looked at her first of all, and I said, do you know how amazing your heart for the Lord is right now? Do you get that? Like, do you know, understand how pleased God is with you right now? That you're hungry for more of him. That you want more of him. I said, God is so pleased with you right now. That's the heart that he wants to see in his children. That they, that they delight in him. That they want to be with him. And then I said, first of all, you need to know, um, you know, if you already know Jesus, you need to know that you have access to all of God. So all of God is already at your fingertips. I know you want more of them, but I just want to tell you something. God is not a house where you enter into the foyer and you get to enjoy the front room. And then there's a door that's locked that you need to figure out how to unlock to go deeper into the house. And then after that door, there's another door that's locked that you got to figure out how to unlock and go deeper into the house. And I think somehow, sometimes we think of God that way in which there's these mysteries that we haven't quite figured out. And we just have to figure out how to unlock more of God. And here's the deal. God has already given you the keys to the kingdom. You know what I'm saying? Like everything that God is is already available to us. And I said, so here's the thing. If you really want this, if you really want this, it's more like this. You have to change your life. You see, you have to reposition what's most important to you. Not because you have to, but because you get to and you want to. You see, if you want more of God, you need to give more of you. And when you make more of God, he'll make more of you. Matthew 6.33 says it this way. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. In other words, prioritize Jesus. Prioritize the kingdom. And live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So delight in the Lord. Prioritize the Lord. And then this third one. Rest in the Lord. And I know we hear a lot about rest these days, and I I think it's a a great encouragement to us. But I just want you to think about it this way. If you have a life and you're wrapped up in all the things that you do in life, chances are, if if that's where you're at, you just got, I always have so much to do. I I got a million things to do today. I got to get them all done. Chances are, if that's the way your life kind of flows most of the time, you're probably feeling the weight of the world on your shoulders. Because when what you do is most important to you, and here's the thing, how do you measure what's really most important to you? Well, probably, what do you give your heart to? What do you give most of your time to? What do you give most of your energy? Oh, heart, mind, soul, and strength. What am I giving most of my energy to, most of my intelligence to, most of my prayers to? most of my passion to? What am I giving my heart to? 
You understand what I'm saying? And if that's the things you do, which I understand, our career, our calling, our interest, they, they require energy of us. I'm not, I'm not saying they don't, but I'm saying, where's the best moments of your day given? Where's the best parts of who you are demonstrated? So if what you do is most important to you and you feel like the weight of the world is on you, guess, guess, guess who everything that needs to get done is dependent on? In most of those circumstances, we feel that weight, don't we? Therefore, we think it's dependent on us. I just want to remind you of something you already know. But did you know that you can't do it all? But if you can rest in who you are and you can rest in who God is, then the weight falls off the shoulders because we start to depend on something else, right? We, there's really only one worthy of carrying the weight of the world and being in charge. That's the one who created the world. And then, so when we allow him to start carrying that weight for us, passionate devotion, listen to this, passionate devotion is not a value about doing more for God. It's a value about being more with God. Now, we definitely value doing things. Last week of this series, we talked about doing things that matter. So we're all about purpose too, but a journey of doing is always preceded by a journey of being. You don't wanna be a person, catch this, you do not. <laughs> you do not wanna be a person who's really great at what you do, but is really terrible at who you are. You don't, you don't wanna be that person. You have to learn to rest in him because God is enough. And can I just be the one to tell you once again in your life that you are enough too? That who you are, it's enough. God is enough and you are enough. And resting in God can look a number of ways. It certainly includes biblical understanding of Sabbath keeping and resting our bodies from work and putting down this need to provide and perform and produce. And what if we just put that down one day a week? You know, we have, we have to have a rhythm of work and rest in our life. And this isn't a message about Sabbath taking, but I encourage you to consider your weekly rhythm of work and rest. It's so critical to figuring out how to rest in the Lord. And whenever you treat rest not as a discipline and you don't treat rest as a thing out of desperation when you just can't carry it anymore so you finally collapse and say, I just got to take a break. Whenever you treat it more like a, an act of worship, whenever you treat it more like I get to go do this with the Lord, I get to rest in Him. And it isn't an act of discipline or desperation, but an act of passion and love and get to. Well, rest becomes a whole nother thing, doesn't it? Rest isn't a solution. Rest, rest is a way of living. Rest is who we are. Rest is something that we understand that is a gift from the Lord and we take delight in the rest that we have with him. And so if we feel like life is heavy, if you're in a tough season, if you're exhausted, if life is just weighing down on you, well, I would say a life that is passionately devoted to Jesus can be your place of rest. What did Jesus say in Matthew 11? I love this passage. We read it probably a few times a year around here, maybe more, but it says this. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Everyone say rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find 
rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. How many know that's good news? I said at the beginning that I believe that most of us, most of us who follow Jesus, we really wanna grow in what it means to be passionately devoted to Christ. And I'm wondering if we've had a slight miscalculation and we think it's about a life that does more for God. And so we've been ramping up, what do I do? And Jesus is like, can you just, can you just delight in me? Can you, just, can you just prioritize your heart, mind, soul, and strength around me? Can you just rest in me? I think we want, I think we want to provide in life. I think we want to produce and perform. And I don't know if that's a wrong thing. I don't think it is. But I do think that in our journey to understand ourselves and in our journey to help others understand us, we have to remember there's only one who really does get us. There's, there's only one person who understands us, who looks at us no matter what we do in life and says, you're enough. There's only one. There's only one person, no matter what you say in a conversation, no matter what stupid thing you do in life, there's only one that looks at you and says, I accept you just as you are. I don't need you to perform for me. I don't need you to provide for me. And I don't need you to produce for me. I just need you to, to be with me. Man, I, want, I, I, don't, I hope you want that. That's a get to in life. It's not a have to, it's not a job. It's not a, it's not a burden, it's a gift. Today, I just wanna, I just wanna pray for you. Uh, I just feel like some people are gonna need to lay down today this, this weight of providing, performing, and producing. And allow, the, allow there to be a heart of rest in Jesus today. Would you just bow your heads? I'm gonna pray for you. Some of you, I think you need to come to Jesus with your burdens today. Just like he says, come to me all who are weary, and carry heavy burdens. You need to come to him today and give him those things. Lay him at the feet of the Jesus. Lay him at the cross. All the weight you carry, just allow it to, to just slide off your shoulders. Maybe you can pray in just a moment. You can start praying now if you want. Just, Lord, I want to come to you today. Some of you need to return to him. It's time for you to come back. Some of you need to restore your heart, renew your faith in him. Even as I read a passage like in Romans where it says, never be lacking in zeal. You're just like, Lord, I am sort of lukewarm. I am room temperature and I wanna be boiling hot for you. Put your passion into him. Let all the other stuff go. Let all that pressure to conquer the world, let it just go. Let the weight of providing, producing, performing, that slide off of your shoulders today. God is enough. God has you. God has your life. He wants to work through you to produce great purpose, but he wants to be your passion first. Would you just surrender that to him today? Say, Father, I surrender to you. I just want to surrender my life to you. I just want to trust in you. Today, you want to follow Jesus. Maybe you've never given your life to him.
maybe you've never said yes to Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. It says in the word that if you believe in your heart that Jesus um, is Lord, confess with your mouth that he's Lord, believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Essentially what that's saying is if you believe Jesus is who he said he was, you can, give, you can be saved. You can find eternal salvation in Jesus. You can spend eternity with the Lord. You can find your salvation in him. And if you want to do that today, if you want to say yes to Jesus, you can just say a prayer. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Just say, Jesus. You can pray that right now and just whisper that prayer. Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender my life to you. Jesus, I give you my life. Just say that if you've never given your life to Jesus, now is the time. He can become your passion. He can become your life. You can trust in him. You can delight in him to say, Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender my life to you. If you've whispered that prayer, just follow it up with another whisper. Just say, and I ask that you forgive me. I ask for your grace and mercy. I ask you forgive me of my sins. I need your grace and mercy. Say that prayer to him. And then he can just say, I commit my life to you. I commit my life to you. Jesus, I give you my life. I ask for your forgiveness. And I forgive. And I commit my life to you. If you just prayed that prayer, it just means that you've just given your life to Jesus. If you've met him with all of your heart, you can say the most important thing in my life is Jesus. If you prayed that today, we'd love to know. We'd love to pray with you. In just a moment, we're going to sing. This altar is going to be open. A lot of you need to come and you need to return to him. You need to lay your burdens down. You need to take them off your shoulders and put them at the feet of Jesus. You can do that by just filling up this altar, by just making this room a space of surrender and, and just a, a space of response to the Father. And so this, this, this room is a place for God's presence to move freely. We have prayer team members up here that would love to pray with you. You can just come pray on your own. We even have prayer team members that are up in the balcony for anybody that needs it. But God, we give you this time as we respond to you, as we worship you. We just thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Would you stand? Feel let, however you want to respond, just follow the Lord's lead during this time. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.